Welcome to another edition of Conversations and Connections. This is the official podcast of the Family Crisis Center of East Texas. I'm Stuart Burson, the Prevention Coordinator with the agency. And this week we are continuing our conversation regarding the issue of human trafficking. And again, January is Human Trafficking Awareness Month. And back with me today is Maria Villarreal. Hey, Maria. And also with us today, we have investigator Brandon Lovell with the Nacogdoches Sheriff's Office. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for coming. I, I really do appreciate that. Um, so uh, Maria and I, we were kind of talking the basics about human trafficking and what it is and the issue of it here in East Texas. So kind of wanted to get law enforcement's perspective on this as well. Um and I guess, first of all, you know, we'll kind of start broad. And then if we have to kind of narrow things down a little bit, we will. Uh, but what would you consider, what is the threat of trafficking here in East Texas? You know, when you think of trafficking, a lot of times you think of the big metropolitan areas uh, like Houston or Dallas or, or Fort Worth maybe. But what is the threat of it here in, in rural East Texas? Well, the threat's everywhere. When you have Texas rated as one of the top three states with the biggest human trafficking problem, then it's not going to just be in the larger cities. It's going to be in the rural areas also in the, the smaller smaller counties such as Nacogdoches, Angelina. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, do you see many cases uh, here in East Texas? We've, between us and the police department, I spoke with one of the investigators there, and, I mean, we've had maybe eight cases, uh, and it hasn't really been real noticeable to us yet but with the education and everything and the awareness i believe we may start getting a lot more reports on it right right yeah and like when whenever i started i know i said this earlier i think but whenever i first started i didn't get a human trafficking case like six months into my employment maybe somewhere between six months and a year into me being here and then i went like another little like break for lack of term of a human trafficking case and then now it's like i'm getting one constantly now it's like to the point where i have at least one case with me um and a lot of these victims these survivors they don't want to make a report so it's hard to get those statistics out there uh, for other agencies because they just don't want to make a report and they're all valid reasons like they've been threatened they're scared they want to just forget about it they want to move on so it's i, I think the the number of cases is going to look different for every agency mm -hmm. sure well, what, what would you think are the reasons the victims wouldn't want to report that they're involved in trafficking? I know, Maria, you just said maybe being threatened. Are there other reasons out there that they wouldn't want to yes. maybe say anything or speak up? Fear, fear is probably the number one. You have shame and embarrassment that they're in that situation. Uh, maybe they're, 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 they're children. Um, they may be trusting the, the person who is trafficking them, and it could be very well a family member interesting yeah and like um i know that i had one client who was trafficked when she was a child um by a family member and so because that's how her family like her family used her to get you know survive and so because she learned that it's a survival tactic for such a long time she she started prostituting herself like as an adult 
So, like, whenever she started talking to me about how, you know, she was trafficked and everything, and, you know, I asked her, did you ever make a report or anything like that? Anybody make a report for you? She was like, no, and I'm scared to say anything now because now I am a prostitute. Like, I'm scared of getting in trouble for admitting that. So there's mm-hmm. there's that. Yeah, sure. And their legal status, they may be afraid of being taken back to the country that they were brought from, which probably a lot rougher life than they're having here. Well, and that's... Mm-hmm. You, I'm glad you brought that up because I think Maria and I have talked about that in the past. Some of these victims, do they tend to come from all walks of life or a lot of them come from across the southern borders into this country? And does that play a, a factor in things? The very few that I've seen since I've been with Nacogdoches County, I've, I've worked one case where a U.S. citizen child was taken within 60 foot of another home and that counted as as trafficking a child and oh just 60 feet right right they, he was taking her for sex from one location and a general area of you know within walking distance of another area okay and uh we we looked at that and it was filed on as a as trafficking charge how do people you know the traffickers to get I guess lack for a better word to get business because you know if how do they let how is it known that they have these people available i mean do they advertise somewhere i mean I you know a lot what of it's word of mouth just word of mouth yeah i guess i kind of think of craigslist i don't know if craigslist is still even a thing or not Oh man, I can't remember. I can't remember which website they took down. I think it was Craig. It was a Craigslist page. Back page, yes, yeah, it was back page right. that got taken down. And there were some advertisement on some um, human trafficking victims, like they were saying that, oh, well, she's eighteen, all this stuff, but she was actually underage. Yeah. And I actually had a client, um, the very first one that I had, she was being advertised on. I can't remember what website, but. They even created like a nickname for her. That way, she wouldn't give out her real name and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, there there are ads and everything that that are used for survivors and word of mouth too. Obviously, sure, sure. What what are you doing to identify these victims? Like, how does this even come to your attention? Does is are there whistleblowers? Do you have some people who are just uh, informants, or how do you find these victims? Well, my cases, majority of them are, are, I work all the sexual assault cases and the investigation, you look into their living conditions to see if this is a, what the, what plays a part in why this child was, was sexually assaulted. Um, if you look and they're, they're within, they're maybe living in a poor, uh, poor area, um, it's, you know, as, as Maria said, they may be work, using her to, to live and to be able to survive. Uh, our criminal interdiction team works the highways, and they, they, they would probably see a lot more of it with them trafficking through, you know, maybe 59 and going just like uh, drug couriers. I mean, they're taking, mm-hmm. taking humans sure. to the two other states. Do you see a commonality amongst all of these victims? Do they kind of have a similar background or... Is it? Does it really matter? Is it? Well, it's, every, it's hard to say because everyone. we haven't dealt with that many. I mean, we're dependent on y'all to educate us. <laughs> so, <laughs> we're still in the learning process, just yeah. like everyone else. Sure. What, what I tend to see the 
some of the common things that I tend to see is that a lot of them have a criminal history. And it was probably because, like, um, the trafficker probably got them addicted to, like, drugs, so then they got caught with those drugs. Um, another one, I know that uh, a few, I've heard of a few having, like, a burglarized, they burglarized a place or something like that. They went into a place they weren't supposed to, be, but that was because they were trying to seek shelter. Um, and so the other common thing that I hear is that drug addictions, too, because, like I said earlier, the trafficker got them addicted to a drug, and so now they're they're se- they're being forced to sell themselves so that way they can have those drugs in their system again, and then they get caught with those drugs. Another thing too is that a lot of them, I think every single one of them, has been a victim of domestic violence or sexual assault prior to being a victim of human trafficking. Okay. And so I think a lot of it's a lot of it is that um, they probably think that. You know, I've I've been through this lifestyle. You know, it's it's not that bad. Like they've become desensitized to it, and they've kind of, they probably have normalized it. Um, and it's not their fault in any way, shape, or form. It's not. It's just whenever you've lived a certain lifestyle for so long, you start normalizing it, and it kind of becomes your way of life, sort of say. Either and either one of you might can answer this. Because of that, do you feel like? Even after they get, let's say they get out of the trafficking, that's a lifestyle they've only ever known. Mm-hmm. Is it hard for them to get back into what we would call a normal life because the trafficking world is all that they've ever known? Well, sure. It's just like any type of, even like I say for myself, I've been in law enforcement for 35 years. I don't know how to do anything else. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sure. That's a good point. Yeah. 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 But I was going to, I was going to add that um, I'm a member of ICAC, which is internet crimes against children that also works with the the national center for missing and exploited children. And anytime we see anything or they see anything for our general area of Nacogdoches County that may involve in prostitution or underage or someone trying to pick up online that we're notified with a Mm -hmm. case. And, and that's been successful. I've worked several cases and, and prosecuted um, a couple by using these cases. Sure. That's awesome. Excellent. Um, what is the, I guess I, I, I guess I could ask, what, what would be the protocol in handling the response to report of someone who's being trafficked? Like, how do you, you get a call, hey, something is going on in this house, uh, What's the what are the first steps? Uh, call Maria. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, no, I mean the, the patrol is investigated just like anything else. We get calls of, um, you know, anything from when people are, are suspected of children. I mean, we of being abused. Uh, that comes into the CPS hotline. You know, you you don't take anything for granted. All calls you go on are not exactly what they what they appear to be. Yeah, and we have some good patrol deputies and, and supervisors that go to locations and they look beyond the cone. They look and see how everything's being kept and how the kids are and you know being taken care of. Mm-hmm. And that's your starting point. Okay, it's just your 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 first investigation and your first scene. Sure, yeah. sure. And okay. so, like, I I know that um, we're we're going to be starting coalition. I've already been saying that, but like the the goal one of the goals of the coalition is to 
have it become successful and have, build a solid foundation for the care coordination model, which is basically like how we're going to respond to the victims of human trafficking, more so for youth and children, up to the ages of 22, I think. And so that is where we're going to develop the protocols on responding to these cases. And that is something that hasn't really launched or hasn't really been talked about a whole lot because it's, it's a new concept. Um, the governor's office is trying to launch it in the state of Texas everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think in maybe by next year, maybe it'll be implemented. Um, and then hopefully that'll answer the, the, the answers even, that'll answer the question even more of like, what protocols, what specific protocols do y'all have? Because um, I know in Montgomery County, they've launched and I saw it. And they have so many steps for for what every agency needs to do in order for these cases not to fall through the cracks. Okay. And I guess here in East Texas, I know uh, Brandon was saying, you know, that you haven't seen a whole lot of cases. Right. Um, do you think that's because they're they're just had they haven't come to light, or they're more out there that we just don't know about, or do you think it's because it is rural East Texas, and there just may not be a lot of these. I think it's cases a, out there. variety of all of it. I mean, we've got, sure, it's out there. Uh, education plays a big part for the public to know what to look for, for us to know what to look for, for yeah. educating the patrol deputies. And that's where it's going to start. It, and it starts with neighbors, mm-hmm. you know, families saying, hey, something's not right here. And it's going to go all the way to the, to the patrol deputy or the police officers, you know, looking in a wider area other than just what he's there for sure doing a little investigation and that's that's where it all starts yeah Yeah. and you mentioned something earlier brandon you know that i find a little troubling is that you were saying that sometimes it's the family member sure who's doing the trafficking sure the case i've mentioned about the the 60 foot going to one place or another was a biological father i mean i can't go into a lot of details on it right now because it's still an active case but yeah, it's 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 relatives, strangers, people. Are, well, you know, with the, go back to the relatives. These are and you know, they usually do the children, and that's they trust them. And on this case, you know, drugs were used. So, like to, drugs are used. You mean like to to the drug children. the child, drug right. d- to drug the child, so they're right. incoherent enough to do whatever. Well, you get in that addiction, and it's oh, yeah. okay, like yeah. a reward. It's like training. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to tr- say train or compare them to an animal, but it's like training a dog. You get them to do what you want, yeah. and you reward them and give them the treat. Then they get addicted. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, that's that's what we tend to see is that they get addicted to drugs, and it's because the traffickers telling them, well, if you um, make this much money for me, then you can have a dose of meth or whatever. Well, I don't know what the terms are exactly that they use. But I know yeah. that it's just like he said, it's like a, a reward for sure. the survivor. Right. Because that's what they want. They're addicted to that, so they need that. Yeah. And it's almost like why kids get into gangs, because they may not feel the love and, and support that they do at home, but they find it with these group of other other kids or adults. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's what they're going to go to. That's what they, they believe right. in. It's talking about families. Do a lot of, are a lot of these victims trafficked by? I don't know if I want to say strangers, but uh, people that they just may meet on the street. You know, it's, is there a problem? Maybe a, a a child who's a constant runaway and who has a troubled home, and they're finding 
something outside of the home, mm-hmm. uh, somebody to make a connection with, or just something to get away from a troubled home life, and they fall into this. Well, especially true with the with the runaways that they are taken from home to home, and a lot of it's from you know maybe the the person that that, that they're put with can't handle them because they're so out of control. Yeah, and they bounce from home to home, and then finally they just start running away. And we see a lot of that. We used to get a lot of calls from an organization there that they would break out, and yeah, and we've gotten them as far as other states. And mm-hmm. okay, Brandon, why is this important to you? Uh, you said you've been in law enforcement for a few years. A, a couple. <laughs> Looking at over thirty-three. So, yeah, I can't. I'm How long have you been doing this? concentrating on the trafficking situation i'll be honest with you i mean i've been in nacogdoches county for a little over three years and the sexual assaults the cases that i'm working now i've i've kept count on one hand what i've done in the past yeah and that's all i work now and with everybody that's involved and and the interest that maria's taking into this and the y'all are taking with the family crisis center i mean i'm in the learning process i'm just Told him, hey, I'm, I'm a team player. Let's let's do yeah, this. Okay. It takes a team to be able to work this kind of stuff. Sure, you can't just. Do so it this isn't own. necessarily your specialty oh, or no. your forte. It's no. <laughs> just doing this this thing. No, I'm still learning. And, and once in law enforcement, if yeah. you think you know everything, it's time to get out. So <laughs> you're constantly learning. But uh, even even if he's learning, like he's amazing. Like we, we enjoy working with you a whole lot. Like you're, you're, you really do care, and, and this shows. In, in your work. Well, I appreciate that. Well, I think sometimes, you know, for law enforcement to be involved in this, you, there has to be some some element of caring. Right, yeah. I mean, I think you probably, and I'm, I am by all means not law enforcement, but I'm sure you have to separate yourself away too. Just like Maria and I have had this conversation before about, you know, how do you separate all of this at the end of the day so you don't carry all of this home? But at the same time, you have to have a caring attitude you've got to be caring about or these crazy <laughs> you know a lot of people say i don't know how you do it and i said well I'm, I'm gonna do it until i can anymore and it, it is it's not your normal cases um you have you have a family that's you know there's not you don't you don't have just one victim or one survivor there's a lot of people more involved in this you have the sure. family that finally gets the child back or or I mean, it's 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 never it's not the ending. I mean, you don't. It's not like you found somebody's lawnmower and you gave it back to them, recovered it, and the case is over. Yeah, and they're and like, these, oh, these thanks, people, I appreciate right, it. Right. These these yeah. people are, are are damaged for a long time, and you you've given your yeah. part, and you want to continue to help them as much as you can. Yeah, sure. Um, Maria, let's just quickly talk about the coalition. Is that again? That's open to anyone if anybody wants to be a part yes. of that, right? Yeah, it's open to everybody and anybody. We want the community to be involved because we want the community to understand how human trafficking really looks like because um, I know that a few months ago it caught attention through the hashtag Save Our Children. And so I understand that you know it was done through good means, good intentions, but I saw a lot of misinformation. I saw a lot of information that should not have been out there because it made me realize that somebody could actually have a human trafficking case, but because it doesn't fit this criteria that isn't exactly correct, they're just going to dismiss it. So we want the community to be involved. So anybody from clinic, people that work in clinics, hospitals and banks, dentists, like um, just anybody, not just law enforcement, not just us, 
anybody's invited to come to this coalition and become involved so that way we can recognize human trafficking in East Texas and that way hopefully the survivors will know that East Texas is very trauma-informed um that the, the survivors will know that East Texas is very trauma-informed and that we do care and we're going to do what we can to help them out and to seek justice for them so we're looking and launching it in February um 17th I believe um it's not 100 confirmed yet but that's the date that we're looking at but once it has been confirmed, we'll release th- these flyers, we'll let everybody know, and we'll let everybody know where we're going to meet and what time. Yeah. And that okay. way everybody can be involved. Excellent. Okay. Well, before we wrap things up, does anybody else have to say, have anything else they want to say before we... There, There is something I do want to yeah. say that I wish I had mentioned a while back, and it's a little off topic what we talked about, but... I think that glorifying this culture of like pimps is such a damaging thing that we have in our society. Like there are songs out there, there are movies out there like glorify selling women for the gain of the pimp. Um, So I think that's something that we need to address. I think you've created a new podcast topic. Yay, no, seriously, I, I think that's I think that's an excellent thing to talk about at some point. Yeah, so I I think it's just like we're glorifying this culture that should not be glorified at all. Like, why should we why should we be glorifying people that are selling children, that are selling women, that are selling anybody for their own gain? Yeah, like it's a cool thing to do. Sure. So that's a that's something that we need to address and correct. Yeah. All right. Well. Thanks a lot, guys. Maria, of course, thanks for coming back. I appreciate it. And Brandon, thank you uh, for for driving over here today to, to talk with us about this. Uh, if you feel like you have anything you would like to add to the conversation or if you have any questions, you can email us. That email address is conversationsandconnections at fccet.com. And if you feel like you need our services, if you need our services from the Family Crisis Center for, for any anything that you can think of, any type of service that we provide, we do have a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week hotline. That number is 1-800-828-7233. That's 1-800-828-7233. I'm Stuart Burson. Thanks for joining us. And remember, be the voice, if not for you, for someone else.